Good day, good friends. This is Amy Lee San Juan, and I'd like to welcome you to a Cisco Champion Unfiltered episode, a Cisco Champion radio spinoff series that gives our champions a platform to have casual conversations around a variety of topics focused on technology, career, and other interesting stuff. Don't forget, if you like our podcast, subscribe wherever you're listening to us. Okay. As our listeners may know, Cisco champions are technology professionals that I know to be super intelligent, super engaged with the community, and really passionate about learning. They've broken down barriers, built careers in spaces that were previously undefined, and are still here to tell the tale. And so we are going to draw from their wealth of experience to talk about careers. And in particular, for this episode, we are going to talk about being early in career, what that looked like for them, and what advice and best practices they can share with our early and career listeners. All right, let's get to it and get to know our Cisco champion hosts. I usually go in alphabetical order, but we're going to switch things up today and go in reverse. So Shala, we'll start with you. Who are you? What do you do? Hello, I'm Shala. So I am... I'm trying to think how I want to phrase this because it's it's kind of new, but I'm going to go for it. So I am actually transitioning into a cloud platform engineer, and I'll be going back to networking finally. <laughs> uh, so I like uh, sharing, you know, my CCNA journey and talking about those topics and things like that. And now I'm heavily doing a lot of stuff with AWS and sharing that. Awesome. All right. Paul, you're up next. All right. So I am Paul Giblin. I'm a distinguished engineer with Presidio and a CCIE emeritus. And I've spent uh, probably 20 years now uh, in consulting and uh, helping my customers uh, navigate technology landscapes. You know, whenever I hear distinguished engineer, I I always want to say, look at that distinguished gentleman. Look at how he's sitting. (laughs) I have Darn terrible TikTok. posture, so I'm certainly not distinguished. <laughs> he, he lost the top hat a long time ago. Oh, perfect timing, Evan. You're up next. Uh, yeah, so uh, my name is Evan Mincer. I am an information security manager located in the Philadelphia region. Um, I've been in IT for I don't even know how long anymore. I mean, when I started computers, there was no internet. Um, I've been wow. While, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, there was there was computers and connectivity, but you couldn't go on Netscape or anything like that. Um, yeah, so I've been around a while. Uh, I can be found on Twitter at, at Evan Mincer. All right, Bill, you're up next. Hi, my name is Bill Burnham. Uh, I'm a network engineer. I've been doing this for about 20 years. Uh, I'm in the Nashville, Tennessee area, and I just moved over to a team that moved, that does a little bit more on the architecture side, which is a little bit of a new journey for me as well. All right. And Adam? Hey, my name is Adam Hoffield. I'm a senior consultant at Insight, focused mainly on network security and NAC solutions. I have about 10 years in the IT space, uh, anything from phone tech support to consulting, what I do now, pretty wide range of uh, experience. All right. We have about a million years of experience on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Evan? Having a discussion around career was your idea. Do you want to share what inspired this topic for you and what you're hoping to have our listeners walk away with? Yeah, so so great. Thank you, Emily. Um, yeah, so where this started from is is I have a 22-year-old son. Uh, he's my oldest, and he is in his senior year of college getting his computer science degree. 
Um, so he he's about to be going out into the world with a you know with a degree and and starting out. And I kind of thought about you. I mean, I when I grew up. You know, I, I progressed through and worked in IT and, and kind of just went that route. And as I said, I, I've started many, many, many years ago and computers were very different back then. Um, really, I kind of thought about, you know, there's lots of kids out there and not just kids. There's also older people that maybe want to switch careers in IT. How can we as people that have been around, you know, as you say, between between just this group, I mean, you look at the champions, there's probably a million years of experience between all the champions we have this experience. How did we get to where we got to? Um, in this case, this episode's great. You know, what can we as champions do to help people that are just starting out in that IT career? But so let but let's start out with actually a good question. So IT itself is kind of a broad thing. Um, there's different parts of IT, and you know, I'll I'll do the reverse alphabetical. I'll start with Adam. Adam, what are some of the the parts of IT that you know what it makes it so broad? Well, there's a ton of different technologies, right? There's the base networking layer that we're all familiar with um, that links everything together. Then you have things like collaboration and applications that run on top of that. Um, you have all the support personnel that I don't think people consider a lot of time. Things like help desk or desktop support people. Um, you know, those are integral parts of IT as well. Uh, security is everywhere on top of all those different verticals. And, uh, you know, different different devices, it's servers there's a ton of things that make up the it umbrella yeah so i, I know we all start out there's those low level skills that we talk about um bill do you remember like making cables and stuff like that strangely enough my first job in it was working in structured cabling uh after i got out of college and it's just one thing led to another i moved from working in structured cabling to moving in-house then them noticing that i had sort of a desire to move on and work with the servers that they had. And the next thing I know, I'm a network, I'm a systems engineer. Then I move on to being a network engineer. And it's, it's just sort of building on one thing after another, but being able to draw from those initial, uh, ex that initial experience, actually doing cabling and stuff like that. Sometimes that what you thought of as being sort of low level layer, layer one stuff really turns out to be a really good thing to to know about when you're doing troubleshooting. Yeah, you work up work up the OSI stack, you know, starting at the bottom. So so Paul, what are some other skills besides, you know, besides cabling that that people should probably <laughs> think about getting? It, you know, I I don't know that I'd call this a skill necessarily, but more a personality trait. The thing that, you know, really helped me out early on was uh, straight up curiosity. It was you know the the drive and the need to understand how things worked. I was a a kid when I uh, you know got my first computer, and I think it was uh, an HP Packard Bell, uh, 166 megahertz. Uh, you know, lame, lame sauce, uh, old old machine. And uh, I was playing games, and I was dialing up to the internet, and I was just so confused about how that actually worked. And I was just driven to, to get in there and, and start figuring things out. And I, I think I might have been in sixth or seventh grade. And I just I needed to know how this Internet thing worked. And, uh, you know, that, that got me started. So curiosity is a, a huge one for sure. Uh, and, and communications is another one. Um, it's, it's one thing to be able to dig into a topic and understand it for yourself. Uh, but to be successful, uh, you know, taking that that knowledge and using it as, uh, you know, the foundation for a career, you need to be able to share it 
with other people as well. And you need to be able to articulate what you know uh, and, and, you know, how things work to other people so that your vision of whatever it is you may be building or working on is something that other people can understand too. So it's almost like being a translator in a sense where you take, uh, you know, potentially very, very complex topics and you have to distill them down to their fundamental essences uh, and help, you know, your customers, whether you're in consulting and your customers are completely different businesses or you're in in-house tech and your customers are, you know, the other elements of your, your business proper, um, you need to be able to communicate really well with everybody across the board so that whatever it is you're designing or building makes sense to everyone. Yeah. Curiosity is a good soft skill and we'll, we'll get into soft skills in a minute, but I want to get Shala in here. So Shala, you're, you're going to cloud, right? Yeah. There's, there's <laughs> nothing needed in cloud. Everything's there for you. So, so what I'm loving is everything that I learned from my baptism by fire of networking job and my CCNA learning journey is all in the cloud. Like most of my cloud journey at this point is networking and that's why I'm loving it. So it's marrying my love for networking with my love for coding. So it's perfect. And what, what other skills do you think people need, especially starting out? So what's really helping me a lot, a lot, matter of fact, someone just asked me this morning, you know, how is learning cloud for me? Is it easy? And I had to stop and tell them, you know, for me, my gut reaction is yes, it's easy, but that's because I have, you know, my networking slash CCNA background that helps a lot. I also also have my web development experience. I started building websites way back in 2003. That helps a lot. Um, I also have software development experience. That's helping a lot with CICD pipelines. Um, and I, I started off coding. Like, that's really what led me into technology, like, back in the... I started coding way back in the 90s, and that's helping a lot, too. So, like, when I'm looking at APIs and stuff like that, I'm, I'm okay. I know how to navigate around Linux. Python's a good friend of mine. <laughs> So those help big time. Yeah, it sounds like a broad range of uh, of topics. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean one one of the things that one of the things I think about is when talking to people that that you know who say you know what should I do in IT because it's such a broad term. I I kind of think about well think about what do you like to do. Don't don't think about I want to be this position. Think more about what do you like to do, and then kind of look backwards and say you know what's involved in that and what skills does that need. I mean. If if you're in networking, do you need to know SQL or Windows as much as you need to know networking? It's still a good skill to have. Any other skills, guys, before we move on to the soft skills, any other the hard skills that uh, people should probably look into? Yeah, Charlotte bringing up a good point about Python and automation. I think so much of the networking and IT industry is headed that direction. Um, it'd be a really big differentiator and a really good uh, skill to have some coding experience, you know, people say, oh, I don't want to be a developer. I don't want to write code all day. And that's, that's not, you know, what it is in, in IT and in networking specifically, but, um, so much of the industry is moving to programmability that those, those skills are going to become really important here pretty quick. Yeah, definitely. Paul, I got something to add. Yeah, I'll, I'll just come over the top of that and reinforce it a little bit further. It's, it's almost like how, uh, you know, in the seventies and eighties, being handy with cars, you know, you could be a mechanic and all it took to work on a car was an understanding of combustion engines, right? 
And in 2022, that's not the case at all. There's so many electronic systems that are in there that the nature of, of the mechanic's role and job has really shifted and changed quite a bit. And there's a lot more engineering involved if you really want to get into the nuts and bolts. And I, I think IT is going very much the same way where you know infrastructure in terms of networking and routing and things like that are still very fundamental and they're still there, but there's also a lot of layering that happens on top to make that infrastructure do really cool stuff. And you need a coding skill set to do that. So I will just uh, further emphasize the, uh, the need to know some kind of programming language to be effective in 2022 and onward. Yeah. IT is definitely getting to be more of a broad term. Um, it's, it's not just I'm working on computers because technically as Shala is going to be helping us out with the cloud, we could, you can go to the cloud and build a, uh, build your own server and, and, run your own environment. Bill, what do you think about that? No, it's definitely uh, the truth. I mean, that's something I've, I've been lucky, I guess, to some degree, I didn't have to really work with coding in previous jobs. But now in my current role, I'm working a lot with Meraki and having that coding experience is almost necessary. I mean, you can do the basics with using the GUI, but if you really want to dig in, you want to pull the information, you want to really automate putting this in a lot of different locations. If you don't have some sort of coding experience, it's going to get really hard really fast. Yeah. And, and I think having a good understanding of, of what you're working with, not just, you know, I, I go to the Meraki console and work on it, but you know, more, you know, why is it connecting? What's the code going into it? You may not have to write the code for most of the jobs, but having an understanding of it really helps. Exactly. So, so let's go back to Paul, what you said earlier about the you know, being curious, working on things, which is really not a technical skill. What, what other, what, what other soft skills are you thinking about? Uh, you know, it's curiosity is certainly one of them. Um, empathy is another huge one. Um, it's almost overused at this point in time, but, uh, empathy's really become a business skill that everybody needs to have. I know for me personally, in my role as a consultant, uh, I didn't really value it early on. Um, you know, I would sit down and I would look at, a technical problem and I'd come up with a technical solution and it was very clean cut and objective um, for me at the time. And that was probably wrong. And as I've matured and grown in my career, I've realized that understanding politics and interpersonal dynamics and, uh, you know, uh, other things of that nature really matter quite a bit in being successful. And again, this applies not only to consulting, but to, you know, working as a contributor inside an organization, if you're an in-house uh, technician, um, being able to see the bigger picture and being able to understand other people's motivations and uh, drivers are really, really important skills that are going to help you thrive. Um, you know, those things help you deliver on expectations that if you're ignoring that, you might not even know exist. Yeah, working with the business, it's always interesting to me because, you know, sometimes the correct answer is not the right answer. So, Adam, you're shaking your head on that. What, yeah, what that's that's for sure. So, you know, I've been in a lot of, uh, like Paul said, a lot of political organizations. So, navigating those personal relationships between teams, um, you know, in a decision to whether or not we virtualize this network appliance or whether we purchase a hardware appliance doesn't always come down to money or cost or, you know, infrastructure, architecture, whatever. It comes down to how much one team trusts another. And when you get into 
consulting and IT in general, you you do 100% of to take take all that into account. Um, you know, if you're choosing to virtualize something and the networking team doesn't trust the virtualization team, there there might be some friction there with that solution. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so so what other what other skills, as soft skills, would we would we recommend for people? Um, Bill, you want to start on that? Well, I think definitely being able to talk to the business organization itself and understand what their needs are and then being able to translate that into an actual deliverable to them. That's that's something that's really helped me along my career path. Being able to just do networking or being able to work with, say, UCCX and build out a script for them, that's one thing. But that didn't really fix the problem. What they really needed was somebody to sit down with them and listen to what they were what they were trying to solve look at what the problem is and then be be able to actually give them a solution the solution could have been very simple but if you don't really have the time to listen to them and i guess really listening is i would consider a really big skill not just being able to talk talk it or talk over them but just listen to what they have to say and be able to take that and understand how that applies to the business yeah, there, there are times I've run into where the business is saying, I want this, I want a product or something like that. And, and sometimes it's it's needing to ask that question of what are you really asking for? Because sometimes what they're asking for is because they saw it somewhere or their kid told them to go get it and you know that's what they're looking for. Shal, have you ever run into that? And, and what, what are your thoughts on, on dealing with those? Yeah, so... My first thought to piggyback off of that is I tell people all the time, a good, I I just had this chat with a coworker yesterday too. So I always say like a good 98% of my job is customer service because you have to, uh, whether you're, you have customers that are in-house or external, or you have your managers, your teammates, you're providing customer service and it's all about you know, being able to speak with people, you know, in a way where there's healthy discussion, open communication, as well as, you know, for me, I could get real technical, but luckily I learned early on how to speak technical terms in layman terms. So that way people can understand it. So that way they're not just going like, okay, yeah, sure. Go do that. And they don't really understand what's going on. So that's, or, or worse, that's they gloss good. over. Yeah, they, it's just like the deer in the headlights, the glassy eyes, and they're just like, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, it's it's really funny. Um, there, there's a book called Never Split the Difference, and it's written by this guy, Chris Voss, who was an FBI hostage negotiator. And the whole book is just about negotiations. And he talks about that specific scenario being a death sentence for any kind of negotiation, because if the other person is responding in that way, they've completely tuned out and they're just ignoring everything you have to say. So even if you're making valid points, it doesn't matter. And uh, he talks about how one of the, the best things you can get to is a no. And it's not that no is the answer you're looking for, but it does indicate that somebody's on the other side and they're paying attention and they're at least engaged in the conversation and you have a starting point to build a consensus around. So uh, definitely emphasize that for sure. Yeah. And that, that can go both ways too. that communication. Um, one thing I learned a while back is, is sometimes if someone's saying something to me and, and maybe they're being too you know technical the wrong way or something and I'm not understanding, just I, this is what I'm hearing you're saying. 
and reiterate it back because sometimes they'll go, no, that's not what I'm saying. And that leads to also getting comfortable with saying, I don't know when you don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's I, a huge I, one, Sean. I, I embraced that early on um, and, and I love it. I've never had so far to date. I have yet to have a negative response to me telling someone I don't know. But it's also the delivery, and that's part of that customer service and being able to talk to people because I'll say, you know, you know, I don't know, but I know who does. Let me go talk to them. Or I don't know. Let me go research this and get back to them, but actually get back to them. You know, that goes a long way. <laughs> yeah, that that's huge. I mean, you know, the joke about, you know, because I'm in security, so the joke is security is always, you know, the no. No, you can't do this. No, you can't do that. But really, <laughs> to the business, the business doesn't want to hear no. But shall that's a perfect thing. It shouldn't be. I you know I don't know. See ya. It should be. I don't know. But this person does. Or let me look into it. Or you know, it's it's that makes it to me that makes it seem like you're willing to do the extra work and that's someone that's willing to you know to step up. And that goes back to the curiosity thing almost as well, right? If you're if somebody asks you a question that you don't know the answer to, if you have that innate um, you know, or learned curiosity that, Hey, I want to find out the answer, not just for them, but also for myself. I, th I think it's also about knowing your resources as well, right? Whether they're people or tools. You do have to be a little careful though. You, you don't want to be the one that says, well, I'm going to go figure, you know, I'm going to, I don't know Python, but I'm going to go figure it all out and come up with a script. That's not going to do well for the business. Maybe, you know, Paul probably knows Python better than I do, and he could probably come up with it. So it would probably be better if I say, well, I, Paul. I relearn it every project I pick up. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I build a project, it, and then I forget Python entirely, and then I have to go back to the beginning of rebuilding a virtual environment. <laughs> yeah, but the whole thing there is saying, you know, I, I may not know it, and maybe I'm not the best person to go learn it and give you the answer because you want the answer right away. But I, I know who to go to, to to come up with that answer. If I could offer this up here, I, I would say it's – possible to maybe distill that whole concept into a, a soft skill of, of being able to set expectations. Uh, I, I would say every conversation or relationship I've ever been a part of, you're, you're judged on expectations you set and your ability to live up to them. So saying I don't know sets an expectation that you don't know a thing yet. And Charlotte, to your point, uh, if I say I'm going to go find out or I'm going to bring you the resource, uh, you know, and then you follow through on that and deliver it, you've met that expectation and your counterpart in that relationship is going to be a, a happy camper. So I, I think that's great. Also talking about that following up, it's also having some sort of personal organization system that you can keep all of these notes and make sure that you do follow up because you may have the best intention of following up, but especially early in your career, it's like you're taking it from the fire hose and you're getting it from every direction. And it's very easy for things to fall through the cracks. If you don't have some sort of organization system to keep up with all that, to make sure that you're following through, then it's going to reflect badly on you. And that's just not a good thing. I mean, myself, uh, I, I used to read a book called Getting Things Done by David Allen. And he talks about how to basically come up with, you know, your list and combining those lists, having as many as you need, but not more than you need. And then always going back once a week and following up on that. And it's very much a soft skill, but it's being able to have that trusted system that you can go to, to follow up with all of the people that you interact with. Yeah, it's a really good point, Bill. So I'm thinking about some other soft skills. What about uh, interview skills? A any, any thoughts on, on helping with, with how do you take an interview? Adam, I'll start with you on that one. 
So it's going to sound odd, but you know, the, the environment I think we're in right now is so many of the interviews are being done on virtual, right? On the phone, on video conferences, they're not necessarily done in person. And in my opinion, that's almost a totally different skill set to, you know, make, make sure that you're articulating yourself correctly over a phone call or a video call than it is standing there in front of the person. I think in, you know, in-person interviews are harder in my opinion, but just cause it's on video doesn't mean that, you know, it's, it's less intimidating or, or whatever. Um, I think it's important to make sure you're taking the interview from a, a quiet, you know, place where you're not going to have a lot of background noise or distractions. Uh, if you're on camera, make sure that you're, you know, you don't have some, some sort of poster on your wall behind you or something like that, you know, um, and just typical, um, soft skills that you would do is sort of talking to a friend on the, on the phone. Yeah. And don't stand up so they can see what you're wearing. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) You got it. Yeah. Yeah. Interviewing is a big one. I I think when it comes to communication, um, I, I forget the stats I've heard about the percentages of what it is, but there's so much in voice and appearance that brings it across because you could say, you know, I'm not interested or I'm not interested. And those are kind of two different sounding things. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's a goal. I think of a lot of interview, you know, interviewees, interviewers, I think interviewers, um, is not so much to ask you a bunch of technical questions and figure out, you know, do you know X, do you know Y it's more about how you respond to those questions and how you conduct yourself in that interview that are almost more important than the technical aspects of, uh, of that interview. Yeah. I know when I've, I've interviewed people before and, and a lot of times the technical aspects, I can read the resume and I can ask a few questions For to sure. kind of get an understanding if, if that's, if they know it, but I think the, the interaction, are, are they going to be someone that, you know, is going to bring something positive to the company or is this going to be someone that's going to bring the company down? For sure. I don't care if you're the smartest person in the room. If you're not good to work with, that's not good for the company. Yeah. So what other soft skills? Um, what about collaboration? Bill, you have a thought on that one? Definitely being able to collaborate with the different teams and understand, I guess, having a wide breadth of knowledge. You don't have to know everything about everything, but knowing just knowing enough about all the different aspects so that you can talk intelligently and you know and you know who to go to within your teams yeah exactly so another one that we brought up in our in our earlier call was was whiteboarding I forget who, who brought up whiteboarding being able to whiteboard i think i may have mentioned that but i know that that's something that's come up a couple of times in interviews where they just want you to sort of be able to put your ideas up on a board it doesn't have to be a really technical whiteboarding session but just take a very simple concept and be able to explain that to everybody to be able to break it down to show that you know you can work with the with with other teams that you can kind of show them what what's in your mind yeah whiteboarding it's a great communications tool it's a way to say you know i have a thought in my head and if i can put it down on on that whiteboard or you know paper if you will uh communicate it that way yeah I, i think another key point i think about is is you know walking before you can run you know, a lot of people may want to come out and say, well, I just want a job making $200,000 a year. You're not going to get that right away. <laughs> Except for Paul, maybe. No, no. It's, it's taken me a long time to build up my salary, and uh, I'm, I'm still working. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know that feeling. Charlotte, what about you? Any other uh, soft skills? 
the fun part is, and that's it kind of goes back to the whole like figuring out what to do in IT because I've had an interesting journey. So, you know, I've I've been doing desktop support while I try to figure out what I wanted to do next. And I would say desktop support and help desk, like they teach you so much. Um, and a lot of that is dealing with people. Uh, like help desk is always amazing to me. I've worked help desk for two hours in my life only two hours. And I was like amazed. They were having a meeting and they're like, Hey, can you, you know, handle the phones while we're doing this meeting? And I got a taste of what their day to day was. And basically every phone call you get, it's something different. And so you're having to like switch your, your frame of thinking so quickly. And so, um, I always feel like, yeah, if you can like do help desk, you know, get learned up while you're doing that, it, it, it can carry you far because it, it teaches you so much so fast. Yeah, that's a really good point. Paul, I want to go back to you on, on this this soft skill, education. I know you had a good story about that. Yeah, I mean, education is important um, and definitely, uh, you know, just as much so in, in IT and uh, continuing education in particular. Um, and I'll tell you a story about, uh, you know, how important it was to me. Uh, when I started my career, I was kind of working weird, odd jobs out of high school wasn't uh, really thriving in college, and I took the uh, you know the alternative path to being the college dropout who kind of went down the, the certifications route. But I was starting with things like A plus and Network plus, and then uh, I had a friend of mine who helped me uh, get in the door uh, at a, a bank in North Carolina, and you know I only took it on the condition that I was reporting to him, and he had promised that he was going to mentor me. So I thought, okay. Here's a, a good friend of mine, and he's saying he's going to mentor me through this. So I, I was intimidated, and I was a little bit scared and frightened. Uh, you know, all right, I'm going to get out there, and I'm going to get on my two feet, and I'm going to move down, you know, eight hours from where I've, I've lived all my life, and I'm going to do this stuff. And a month into that job where I was supposed to be responsible for network stuff, this guy leaves. <laughs> he goes to uh, take another position with another company. And uh, my, my new boss, I now skip leveled up uh, to a director. And, um, you know, he said to me uh, that the gentleman who left was responsible for a project we have ongoing, which was the deployment of Cisco IP telephony at the time. It was call manager four one, I want to say, uh, not not to uh, remove Celsius acquisition. <laughs> so I, I said at the time, I, I said, uh, Scott, I am not qualified to take this project on. I have never worked on a phone system in my life. But and going back to, um, you know, being OK with saying I don't know a thing, I told him I, I don't know it at all, but I'm willing to learn it and I'm willing to take this project on but I'm going to require that you actually educate me on it. So I looked up some global knowledge courses and I packed up and I went to Chicago for three straight weeks uh, in the dead of winter. I think it was January or February. And I went through three weeks of CCVP training. So I had my CCNA. So I had kind of the fundamental network stuff together. And, uh, you know, I, I tested through all the VP stuff while I was out there because, you know, I'm simultaneously learning the product, but also, you know, taking the test at the same time to get certified. And that really served as my entry point into, um, you know, one, successfully deploying all this collaboration stuff for the bank across the entire state of North Carolina, which was wildly successful. And I'm, I'm pretty proud of how that went, um, but also into getting into the consulting side of the house. Uh, you know, Cisco certification credentials have been and continue to be uh, some of the most valuable in the industry. 
And um, you know, don't don't be bashful about uh, demanding that your employer invest in you as an individual uh, as you go through things. Now, don't expect you know wild, crazy stuff and say, hey, I want you to pay for twenty thousand dollars in uh, you know CCIE training and seven attempts when I don't even have my CCNA yet. Uh, you got to take it step by step, and you have to be able to to justify it. And you might need to make uh, you know commitments around how long you're going to stick around after you uh, get paid out on some training. But uh, definitely make those pushes for it. And any company worth their salt is going to invest in you as an employee and is going to make sure that, that you're on top of your craft. That's a great origin story, Paul. Thanks. Hey, Bill, do you have a good origin story? I mean, when I started in my networking journey, it was basically as, like I said, doing network cabling out of college, just as a side job. They had some changes in-house. I went ahead, I was able to move in-house, but from there, I quickly realized that, you know, I enjoyed working with the compu- with computers and working with networking. And it basically went from building a small VPN for them just by opening up the books and just reading through it to moving across country, becoming a systems engineer for them, and then moving on to going deeper into networking. But I'll definitely say one thing that... Um, just sort of to build on what Paul was saying is not to be scared to ask about education because at first I felt like that was something that maybe I needed to take care of just myself. But once you got up the nerve as a young person starting in the career and asking, and then they actually go with it, then it's like, well, you know, maybe I should have asked earlier, but it's not, it's not being scared to ask, but as long as you can follow up on it. Yeah. Good point. Adam, how did you start out? So my journey started out in college. Um, I took a couple networking classes um, during my, I have a computer engineering degree now from uh, UCF in Central Florida in Orlando. Um, so I took a couple of networking classes there, figured out I really liked the technology, you know, learning about how the electrical signals moved across the wire and all that. Um, so I found a job during college doing tech support for a firewall company and, you know, that job was invaluable. Uh, learned all about security, all about networking from that job. And what I say most importantly is the ability to talk on the phone and converse with people on that tech support line, right? The people that the individuals that know a lot about the product aren't the ones calling tech support. So you kind of have to, uh, you have to learn that skill set of, you know, you have this highly technical, you're extremely familiar with the product, but be able to talk the concepts and the configuration down to, you know, somebody who maybe isn't so familiar with that product. Um, so I think that was, a, that was a great job from there. Uh, after I got my degree, um, I started working at a IT distributor as a network engineer, uh, focusing on security for that company and worked there for a number of years. And now I'm a consultant helping, uh, other many, many companies, uh, you know, do the same thing. Great. Shala, if I remember correctly, your, your first big job was kind of interesting. <laughs> Yeah, I always joke and say it was baptism by fire. Um, Basically, I wasn't uh, working at the time. And so I took my time finding what, you know, I was like, man, I want to find like a a big organization that I can grow with and all these kind of things. So I took my time looking for work. And I remember getting a phone call one day. They were like, hey, we have a six month contract job uh, for our office admin position. First off, I was like, I want something permanent, but they told me, 
where the address of the building was. And I was like, I know who that is. So I'm going to go for it. I'm glad I did. So six months, you know, as a person ordering lunches and helping people file expense reports, uh, the senior person decided to retire that, you know, handled their IT stuff for the department I was in. And, you know, during those six months of me working as an office admin, I was always helping people with their computer issues, software issues. Instead of them going to the help desk, they would just come to me. So I was known as, hey, you know what? She knows computers. Like, I was that person. <laughs> <laughs> and so I also had a, a bachelor's of science uh, for computer information systems that was also known. So anyways, they were just like, well, do you want to take this person's spot? And I said yes without thinking. And next thing I know, I ended up being a lead network engineer. And so I had to learn everything on the fly because I had never even logged into a server at that point, even though I did my CI, CIS degree, like we didn't do that. I built software. <laughs> so that's when I fell in love with networking. Um, I did that for five years, learned it on the fly and then got my CCNA when I left that position. So. Nice. I mean, I, I joked around earlier that that I've been around before the world, you know, before the internet started. Not really <laughs> true. Before the World Wide Web, I, I remember back in the '80s, um, basically working on my first computer was an IBM PC Junior, running a blazing fast 4.77 megahertz, <laughs> and and working in BASIC to try and get a a 300 baud modem to receive calls to make my own little BBS. And this, it, it goes back to that curiosity. How can I get it to do it? Now, remember back then there was no Google, so I can't just go to the web and type in, how do I get this modem to work? So it was, it was a lot of, yeah, it was a lot of trial and error and and over the years getting that curiosity. But uh, so, so Emily, we haven't heard from you. I'm a little curious. What's your origin story? Oh my gosh. Do you really, how, how much more time do we have? <laughs> so, so if you you guys probably don't know this about me, but I used to be in mortgage lending. <clears throat> I was probably in that industry for ten years, and then if you guys remember, the whole housing industry imploded, right? And so, I ended up getting a receptionist job at Cisco many, many years ago, um, and then decided to pursue my degree in marketing. So, Cisco really supported me during my my journey towards towards getting my degree once i graduated there's so much opportunity within cisco got a job in marketing and and uh the rest is history so so get getting in with a good company helped absolutely absolutely yeah that's a great story you know not not everyone's it journey necessarily starts in it right you don't have to come straight out of school and go right into IT. You can always, you know, come in later on in your career and later on in your life as well. Yeah, that, that's something I'd take back to my son. I mean, he, he's he's one of the ones coming out of college and, and moving on. But there are plenty of people that might be in a career they want to switch over to something more technical, and, and there's plenty of room. My, my degree was in economics, and I remember my advisor saying very few people will ever do exactly what they did and what they thought they were going to do in college. And yep. he was completely right. My degree is business management, and I'm in security now. Well, this has been a great conversation. Yes, and I think with that, we will wrap. Um, to our listeners, if you want to continue your learning, we have curated some helpful resources available in the show notes below. Check those out. And of course, don't forget to subscribe or follow Cisco Champion Radio so you receive alerts on our latest releases. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. See you next week. 